0: Today we're talking about the menopause. Why is it still a taboo subject? Is real-life menopause anything like movie menopause?
1: Here's Dr Nigat Arif. I think we have to view the fact that the later years are just as vibrant and colourful and there is so much potential to do because now women are living longer, they're living healthier. So why not do all the things that you're capable of doing? And when you are given the right diagnosis. One, there's validation. The woman says to me, oh my God, I've been putting up with this for years and actually there is a real reason for it. I thought I was going mad.
0: I'll also be chatting to Girls on Film regular Kate Muir about a new menopause doc that she's produced with director Linda Sands. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get
1: that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a
0: stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello, I'm your host, Anna Smith. Thanks for joining me today. Let's have a listen to a clip from the new documentary, Davina McCall, Sex, Myths and Menopause, which explores the science and personal stories.
1: It started and I didn't realise it was started.
0: You feel you have to keep calm and carry on. There's a lot to take in. I was advised not to talk about it. That's... It was
1: aging. Davina McCall shines a light on the menopause experience. The reason menopause comes as such a shock. We're not prepared, we're not ready. Revealing the struggles faced by so many. Look, this is what's happening to me. I cannot live like this. And crucial
0: changes that need to be made.
1: Going out fighting. We've got to carry on talking.
0: This urgent dog is about to hit Channel 4. But even if you're listening outside the UK, stay tuned, because this discussion affects us all, and that includes men. Let's hear from producer Kate Muir and director Linda Sands. Kate and Linda, welcome to Girls on
2: Film. Hello. Thank you for having
0: us. Welcome back to Kate, of course, one of our regulars. And Linda, we're very pleased to have you. I was absolutely educated by your documentary, entertained as well. It's very accessible. Um, But, you know, I'm someone I haven't gone through the menopause, but I've only recently started talking to friends who have, and I've been shocked at how little is out there in the public domain for people to know about. You're certainly not told about it at school. You know, it crops up very rarely on TV and film. Um, Linda, I'll start with you. Why was it important to tell this story and to get it to a wide audience?
2: I think when Kate initially came to me with the idea, I thought, I'm a woman in my early 40s and I absolutely know nothing about the menopause. Myself and my friends don't talk about it. No one had mentioned it. And then in that document, it says that Davina went through menopause at 44. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is just around the corner and I don't know anything about it. So I think my starting point was, why aren't there more films about this? What can we do? And in the meantime, I'm actually going to educate myself and my friends as well. And I spoke to a friend about this and she said, And it was a really interesting wake up call for me as a director as to how to counteract that. She said, you know, I should know about that, but I'm just in denial. I don't want to know.
0: That's an interesting point, isn't it? The in denial. Yeah. That What we don't want to talk about because it's just too uncomfortable or scary. Kate, I know obviously you've written a book and you're now co-producing this doc. Can you tell us a bit about your personal journey?
3: Well, my own menopause was a complete Selma and Louise car crash. I went right off the cliff in terms of life, but also in terms of my own health. And I really, really needed hormones. I found it very hard to remember things. I just was in a a really bad state and very anxious and I had heart palpitations. And as you know, I kept plodding on as the Times film critic and you would never have noticed. And I think that's true of all of us. We keep it very, very secret. So I I marched on, but I was in quite a bad state. Um, I got the wrong kind of hormones uh, privately. I got very ill and then I recovered and I met this fantastic doctor, Louise Newson, who basically rescued me. And as I left her surgery, I got on the phone to a friend and I said, I can't believe what's happening to women because Louise had told me the story of a woman getting electric shock treatment because she had menopausal hormone depression. I suddenly realized nobody was talking about menopause and mental health and it was massive and it's become a massive part of our film. And so I thought, I'm gonna make a documentary. And as you know, i would never made a documentary <laughs> But I'd seen a hell of a lot of documentaries and I'd written and what Linda and I rewrote the script about 35 times. I have no idea. It was epic. It was
2: so good for me, though, because normally you write it on your own and you're kind of like, is that right? I don't know. Is that right? Whereas this time it was amazing because I was like, right, Kate, what do you think of this? And Kate was like, that works. That doesn't work. What about this? I'm like, that's a good idea. So it was really lovely to be collaborative. And I think we moved faster because of that because you're not. Working on your own in a bubble.
3: Yeah, and and I was just like Linda has this sort of visual mind, and it was great to have kind of two minds. And you know, as a journalist, you're on your own, and suddenly to collaborate, you suddenly understood about filmmaking in a way that I hadn't understood it as a critic. You know,
2: we're very yin and yang. Yeah, like Kate Kate thinks with words, and I think with pictures, and that worked out very well.
3: I mean, there is a moment in the film which I, you've seen where there is an enormous dildo <laughs> <laughs> called The Big Boss. And it's pink, and it's long, and there's a long panning shot along it in Tunbridge Wells. And for me, yeah, that was great. That was not what you were going to see in a menopause film, and that's what Linda filmed. And I was watching her just sitting there on the ground, and she looks like an invisible person in the room. There's just a person sitting down in a jacket and a notebook in the corner, and they don't look like they're doing anything. And it's Linda plotting stuff and moving the camera around, you know. And so it's really interesting to see how she was operating all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, can I say bravo for you for, for coming out and talking about it? Because I feel sorry that, you know, I I knew you socially through that time and through work and I wasn't aware of what was going on with you. So it's it's such a shame that women are hiding that um and thank you for sort of sharing your story how about Davina McCall the presenter here at what point did she come on board and was it well she sort of talks about this a bit in the doc but if one of you would like to explain you know her decision to tell tell her story as well
2: I think Davina Davina was amazing like when she came onto to our film she was immediately like I want to be honest I want to go to that place I don't want to leave I don't want to censor anything I don't want to kind of leave anything behind and I think both of us were kind of really, just really kind of amazed. And I think that in turn helped us get lots of other women because they saw Davina was being really honest. She was talking about things on television that you wouldn't expect a woman like Davina to talk about. And that in turn emboldened our contributors, which was wonderful from a director's point of view, because obviously you persuade women to go on camera to talk about this. But there's also that juicy of care. You do worry at the back of your mind. You're like, goodness me, is this all right? Are they going to be all right? Is the fallout from this going to be all right? And the fact that Davina was so brave and so open from day one, really kind of, that that set the tone. That set the tone of the doc. So for me as a director, it was amazing to have her and amazing that she was just ready to go there. And and her motivation came from the same place as Kate's. You know, she did it on her own. She doesn't want other women to go through and do it on their own. And she wants to give women like a little guide, like a little Bible, that when they hit this, these are the different options they've got on the table. And sort of talking
3: of visuals, one of the huge things I was thinking about, because, you know, you do begin to think visually as well, um, was there's a moment in the in the film where Davina sticks an HRT patch on her hand and says, oh, it's see-through, you can put it on any, any colour of skin. It's a, a transdermal, body-identical, plant-based, Bit of estrogen that's going on your skin, and it has a completely different cancer profile from all the old fashioned pills. It's a different thing, it's way safer. And I thought that moment when women see Davina just sticking a plaster on her hand and it's made this huge difference to her life, that's the moment that matters. We don't have to explain the science all the time, and we don't have to go into this incredible detail, but it will stick in people's heads. And and you realise that's the power of film rather than, you know, an article is that moment.
0: What are the other important points, Kate, for you that you wanted to get across, particularly in terms of the details of menopause, in, In kind of forewarning people in a way? Partly the fact
3: that you go so bonkers. And lots and lots of women were incredibly honest about just being a bit crazy. And early on in the documentary, there's this wonderful woman, Karen Arthur, who set up the Menopause whilst Black Instagram, and that's how I sort of met her over Instagram. And we're talking to her, and she's talking about hot flushes and her depression. She doesn't know what's going on. And then she says, I thought my boiler was broken. <laughs> and she's very, very funny, and she's given up being a teacher and become a fashion designer. And, you know, it's a lot of it's about that metamorphosis and that change of life. I got such a bad hot
1: flush in a makeup chair one day that I actually asked the makeup lady if the chair was heated. And they looked at me like I was really weird. And it did cross my mind. I thought, well, aren't the hot flushes and things like that and sweats, isn't that the menopause? But I thought, I'm too young, I'm 44, I can't be going through the menopause. That happens to women in their 50s. And then I got in touch with some real shame around it. And I felt, Embarrassed. I felt quite washed up, I think, and unable to talk to anyone about it. So you know, first I was frustrated, then
2: I was tearful.
1: But then I got angry. But I
3: think one of the things I didn't realise till sort of really doing this documentary was that one in 40 women under 40 get the menopause. And we have a 14-year-old who's now 40, but um Haley talks about being 14 and finding out from her daughter that her periods were over and for me that that was just so upsetting and she's so courageous about it and she's going to adopt and all sorts of things like that and i thought it we must have her in the film you know it, somebody like her it's really really
2: important and she nails the point that I think we both want to get across in the film, which is like, this is a midlife thing. It's not a granny thing. This is happening to women who have young children. This is happening to women who will live a third of their lives after menopause. This is not an end of life thing. So we can't just ignore it. We need to prepare for it. We need to speak about it. And that'll mean that we go into it much more. My mother always used to say forewarned is forearmed. That's quite a Scottish phrase. But like I think that that was that's a really important point to take away.
3: Also, for me, it comes out of where Anna and I have been, which is in this sort of Time's Up movement, the women in film movement, looking at, you know, because when I started as a film critic, there was sort of, what, 95% of films were made by men. And we started talking about that, and we started talking about where are the women on screen. And I know we're maybe going to go and talk about the, the menopausal women on screen, or rather the lack of them. But this project kind of moved forward from that in my life, because I'm thinking... But time's up for the menopause. What is going on here? Why aren't we discussing it? Here's this moment where we are going to be really powerful in our lives. We're here. We can do an enormous amount of good. But yet a lot of us are actually unwell and we don't need to be unwell. Um, And we need to understand what's happening to us and use this sort of power we have in the second half of our lives. And I was just sort of so horrified that that wasn't happening. And I just had not understood it till it happened to me, which is... You know, we're
0: just like that, aren't we? Feels like you're at the forefront of a menopausal revolution here. You two, oh, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, hope so, so. Fantastic. Well, I mean, you mentioned film. I mean, obviously, it's quite rare that you see it depicted on film. Let's start with with the negatives. I mean. If it is ever depicted, in in my memory, it feels like it's sort of an an elderly lady with a fan going, ooh, having a hot flush, and that's about it. And it seems very strange that a lot of films about middle-aged women simply just don't talk about it at all. Why do you think that is, and and what's your experience of those kind of, perhaps slightly disparaging mentions?
2: I think Karen Arthur put it very well when she was saying that when she was going through menopause, she looked on screen, she looked at advertisings, and it was all like white middle-aged women with their head in their hands crying, Do you know, and and with grey hair. And she says, like, cream chinos as <laughs> that, <laughs> the standard image. And I just thought, that's so true. There's no, I mean, obviously kind of like Kim Cattrall in Sex and Sex in the City, but but that was played purely for laughs. I felt I thought it's good that they're flagging it, but it's kind of like the punchline, which it shouldn't really be. I think the Golden Girls, like it isn't film, but I love the Golden Girls. And that kind of, I do remember little mentions of that when I was watching it, but I can't think of many other things. Kate, you probably know more if you were a film critic.
3: I think the heroic menopausal film, they don't mention menopause, but it's the Francis McDormand kind of trilogy. And it's obviously Nomadland, which is absolutely the most post-menopausal film you've ever seen. A woman kind of giving up her life, getting in a caravan, travelling on and kind of finding this kind of inner strength just in herself. And, And, you know, that's terribly moving. And then Three Billboards from Ebbing, Missouri, again, a very angry older woman that sets fire to things, you know. <laughs> um, but also with such integrity and kind of truth in her performances. And then I was also thinking of Olive Kittredge, which is that series she did, which was absolutely brilliant, and and also played a woman in, in kind of midlife. So there is that, but actual films that mention menopause are... Absolutely rare. And Anna, you recommended I have a look at the hot flushes. My mama told
0: me how hard it is to get a husband after a certain age. Who needs a husband? I mean, why buy the pig when all you need is a little sausage?
3: Thinking of taking up a new hobby. Hot
2: flashes. Food swings. Frequent urination. I'm not supposed to be going through this for a few more years. Honey,
3: you don't know the half it. You aren't exactly leading ladies anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is a terrible film.
0: (laughs) Well, I was disappointed because this comes from the director of Desperately Seeking Susan, so I was pretty excited about this. And it was in 2013, and it completely passed me by, possibly didn't come out in the UK. It's on Prime Video now, so I thought, oh, okay, let's check it out. The Hot Flashes, Brooke Shields, Wonder Sykes, Daryl Hannah. Interestingly written by a man... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and like why would you make a film about the menopause it's written by someone who clearly has no experience of it? Um yeah, I thought it was a shame. I thought it was it made some efforts to be representative and balanced. But it did seem to again reduce the symptoms to about two things. It didn't really tackle all the things that you're talking about now. And it seems like such a waste. I feel like that not enough budget is been given to a film like that. I feel like if they got someone to rewrite the script, maybe female will co-write it, that could have been a decent film. But did you think it was just absolutely awful, Kate, clearly?
3: Yeah, I actually, I actually really did. It was just thick with cliché. And the menopause was put up at the front of the film as a horror story people were going to avoid. You know, they mentioned hot flushes and the, the sort of Brooke Shields woman runs out of the room. And you just think, oh, yeah, and, and she sets up a basketball team to avoid the menopause. And you think that will really work <laughs> and, and you know I mean it just what you know it, it yeah it was a midlife crisis film and fair enough but you know I also was thinking when I was thinking about why can't I think of any menopausal films and any women? Because, of course, men of 50 are playing men of 50 and their wives are always 30. They just always love, well aren't they? And, and so you never see those parallel relationships in, with people between 40 and 60 very, very clearly. I mean, you do sometimes, but because people are always sort of trying to have a younger woman, not, not so much now, but previously, the, the kind of history of film does not really really show that it's it's a really big hole and those relationships around menopause are are not there either I mean even in that um you know the Jack Nicholson Diane Keaton um, something's
0: got to give yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah. I mean that that, that's about an older relationship and that's actually rather good And, and the big big key point there is that Jack Nicholson is no longer going out with a woman who's 30 years younger, but actually punches Diane Keaton. You know, that's the key joke in the film. Harry was once engaged to Diane Sawyer. I love her.
0: I'm impressed.
2: Yeah, women your age love that about me.
3: It's the middle of summer. What's with the turtlenecks?
0: I'm just a turtleneck kind of gal.
3: You never get hot? No. Never? Not lately. You must beat them away with a stick.
1: No, no. Men my age. Men
3: your age may be really
1: stupid. you ever think of that? Ah, uh, yes, I have. Many times.
0: I feel like Diane Keaton is the kind of menopausal hero of comedy, at least. I mean, sometimes it is quite cliche, but she's done several, which I'm sure will mention it. But she also does kind of have that kind of ditzy bonkers thing going on. So it's perhaps a bit of a cliche. But yeah, at least there's some age-appropriate things going on. But yeah, I mean, many actresses you speak to, sadly, um, say that, you know, once they're past 40, they don't get hired until they're probably 65 again, and then they can play the granny. And, you know, that, that what women just don't exist in that in-between period. I mean, what's going I'll, on?
3: I'll tell you who's good is, jane campion and again she's amazing she's one
2: of my favorite directors oh good me too
0: actually. <laughs> a oh, of piano. she's
2: amazing <laughs> the piano is amazing and for kind of a strong woman and in top
3: of the lake which obviously is telly but there is that fantastic woman played by holly hunter she's got this incredible long gray hair and she has this kind of women's commune in kind of containers by the by the lake doesn't she and it's women who've run away from other parts of their lives and are all together and she is clearly a kind of menopausal sort of goddess isn't she in that I mean even though we don't discuss that that's very much very clearly there and and Jane Campion herself has sort of talked about menopause and she just says you become invisible and unfuckable and that's it um and she is very much kind of I think on the case she would be the if we if we were to write Linda the really great menopause film maybe we could get Jane Campion on board yes. as
0: well. she'd be amazing <laughs> okay Jane if you're listening give us a call we will set this up we will make it happen that's a great example any other great directors or just films in general that you feel are doing great things for women of this age
2: I think there's so few because there's so few female directors. This is the problem. I mean, there's a few kind of blazing a trail. You know, you've got films like Selma and things like that. But we really need more female directors. And I don't know. I think we need to look to Hollywood to lead the way. And I think we need to look to Hollywood to actually step up. Like there's so many menopausal women in Hollywood who do not admit they're menopausal.
0: Well, do you feel that this is a, I certainly feel that this is a problem with the system and I mean, surely so much pressure is put on famous actresses uh, when they get to a certain age. And this is being dealt with in things like Call My Agent on TV, you know, the pressure for people to have cosmetic surgery and to play younger roles. And, you know, I, I, it just makes me feel quite sad if I see that, what you're we talking about there, because you just think the amount of pressure that they've been put under by, a, you know, patriarchal system, So, yeah, everything needs to change. You're both right, Lindsay. You know, the whole system needs to change. And that's that's what we're fighting for here.
3: The the story we're doing and we've been doing, which is that hormones are a positive thing. And, you know, if you had a thyroid problem, you'd get thyroxine and women weren't meant to live much over 50, you know, 100 years ago. And the fact that we're going to live these next 30 years, we should live the healthiest way we can possibly live. And I think it's one of the things we maybe have to tackle in fiction. And I'd love to do that as well as in, in fact and look at, you know, living these second lives in, in a powerful and kind of healthy way. And, and I don't think anyone's really daring to say that on screen and, you know, being honest about what hormones they're taking and how it, that they're a natural part of your body. And it's, there's nothing shaming about putting them back.
0: Well, are you both working on something together? Are you allowed to reveal this?
2: We, I would definitely like to. Like I was saying to Kate, this has been a lovely collaboration. We should make another film.
3: (laughs) We might make part two. There's a whole lot more stuff that we've got boiling under. Uh, So if this goes well, we might make part two. More revelation. So Kate, what are you
0: working on currently?
3: I'm finishing my book and then I'm going to do an American version of the book uh, because it's a very different system. And then possibly I'm thinking an American film, but we'll see.
0: Ooh, exciting. Better than the hot flashes, hopefully.
2: Oh,
0: course. <laughs> that is very exciting. Linda. what are you up to?
2: Um, of course, I've got two completely different projects. I'm doing a history of tea for, for kind of Chinese Netflix and BBC World, so like learning about different teas. And then I'm going on to do a drama documentary with Lucy Worsley, who I really, who's another kind of quite strong lady that I really like working with. And then I'm, I hope me and Kate will work together again. <laughs> yeah. We and times. meantime we'd urge everyone
0: to watch the documentary in the UK. Um, but if you're outside the UK, I'm very pleased to have this discussion because this is something that applies to everyone around the world, right? Men, women, children should all know about this topic. So thank you both so much for coming on to girls on film.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: That was Kate Muir and Linda Sands. My final guest is GP and women's health expert, Dr Nigat Arif, who appears in this doc and is also a regular on BBC Breakfast and This Morning. So
1: welcome to Girls on Film. Oh, hello. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, well, it's brilliant to chat to you. I enjoyed watching you in Sex, Myths and Menopause, as well as your other work. Tell me, why did you feel passionately about taking part in this documentary?
1: Kate uh, reached out to me over a year ago before the pandemic hit. And she said, we're thinking of doing this menopause documentary because I'm angry. And I related to that, that sense of anger, (laughs) although I'm laughing at the minute thinking about it, but that sense of anger Resonated instantly with me because I felt the same way. This is how I became really passionate about women's health and menopause in particular. Um, I'm Pakistani, I come from a very reserved Muslim community. And whenever you hear things about menopause, it's always, and I'm really sorry to say this, and it's not in a derogatory way at all, but it's always a white middle class voice. You don't hear the ethnic minority voice, rarely would you ever come across it on any media platform at all. But yet, that's the kind of group of patients that I deal with and that's a group of patients and women from my community who turn to me knowing that I'm a doctor saying I'm having hot flushes I'm having night sweats but my doctor wants to give me antidepressants or worse they've diagnosed me with fibromyalgia and given me steroid treatment is this correct and I'm just thinking what is going on here and so having had personal experiences of a dear friend of mine who, who was, you know, put on steroid treatment for fibromyalgia, she ended up slipping in her garden, had a fractured neck of femur, ended up being wheelchair bound, and then she just deteriorated from there and she passed away. It, it just I'm resonated so, so much with me because I just thought to myself, there was, there was just failings in how the communication of the symptoms are to the healthcare professional. Not that the healthcare professional did anything wrong, because actually, the, to them, they were trying to do their best. But also, we just don't seem to think of perimenopause and menopause as a diagnosis, on the differential of diagnosis as we have as doctors. And it's something that we should be removing the stigma, removing the taboo around it, and also having that voice represented is vital for all communities.
0: Thank you for saying that because I was very interested in what you set, touched on in the documentary about that, but that it affects so many different women, and there are some cultures which is even harder to talk about than others. Um, how have you noticed women's lives changing after they get proper treatment?
1: Oh, it's it can vary so much. It's for some on some cases it's life changing, and they have this phenomenal new burst of life. I think we always consider that we think that being youthful and being young, and then once you get to about forty, that's it you should now just start to think about your retirement years. And that's awful. That's horrible. That's not how we should be viewing life. I think we have to view the fact that the later years are just as vibrant and colorful. And there is so much potential to do because now women are living longer. They're living healthier. So why not do all the things that you're capable of doing? And when you are given the right diagnosis, one, there's validation. The woman says to me, oh my God, I've been putting up with this for years and actually there is a real reason for it. I thought I was going mad. And secondly, you're saying to the woman, there is something I can do to help you with this. Now, HRT is one thing, hormone replacement therapy. It might not be for everybody, but there are alternatives to hormone replacement therapy as well. And then the third thing is, is that you're allowing women to access healthcare, which allows other conditions to be prevented. So as a GP, my goal is for, to make sure that there's preventative health care. And if I can do that for the women, so be it do this much exercise, stop smoking, cut out alcohol, because alcohol, you do that, then your hot flushes will be better. You're sleeping better. Your depression and mood type symptoms I can deal with. Then I, that surely is a good thing to do. So this is why it's so important.
0: That's really interesting. Are there any other really important tips that anyone listening who feels like they may be going through it should know? I'm sure there are absolutely tons, but you
1: know, a couple of bullet points. The first thing I always say to women is that you're not going mad. Okay. (laughs) Regardless of what you're the way you're feeling is validated. You are the expert of your body. So please, if you do one thing, keep a diary of your symptoms, because when the hormones are fluctuating, you might get hot flashes one week and then they're gone, and you're just thinking, oh, what was that? You might get irregular periods another month and then they're gone, or you might even completely stop your periods for six months and then they come back again, because there is a period called perimenopause, whereas you are still having periods, but you're getting menopausal symptoms. So there's about 42 different symptoms, which can be on the list of menopausal symptoms. So that hot flushes is just one of them, but night sweats is another one. You could have mood related symptoms such as low mood, irritability, depression, memory fog you might not feel that you're confident anymore Um, you might actually find that you're getting urinary symptoms some physical symptoms so you're getting more urinary tract infections and they're not actually urinary tract infections it's because there's a lack of estrogen around the vulva and the vagina which are now sort of triggering off symptoms of vaginal atrophy which is another thing that women experience as the hormones reduced in their body so keeping a symptom diary is really important and then take that to the doctor and joining up the dots that's the next thing to say that this is what it is women over the age of, say, 45, the, the nice guidance is that you do not need female hormone testing. So please do not spend lots of money, even privately, going to do female hormone testing. There's, there's no role for them. Younger than that, because we just want to make sure, is this menopause? And why are you are going through younger menopause? We can do an FSH and an LH. And then there are other hormones to think about. So thyroid hormone and doing an anemia check as well. So that's when it comes to testing. And then the third thing is, is do your research. The NICE guidance is available on Google. There's my menopause doctor, Dr. Louise Neeson, who's also in the documentary as well. There's Diane Dansbrick, who's campaigning for better awareness. Um, Liz Earl is doing a lot of work as well. So do your research about what's out there and then take that to your GP. So preparation is key because I, as a GP, have 10 minutes with you, unfortunately, on the NHS. And being informed means that then we can look at the risks and benefits of what treatments are out there.
0: That is very helpful, and I want you to be my GP. Yeah,
1: fantastic. (laughs) I'd be more than happy to be your GP. Bless you.
0: (laughs) Now, are you a film fan? And if so, do you have any thoughts on the way that menopause is represented in popular culture like TV and movies?
1: Oh, my God. You are talking to a film freaking buff, and that's exactly the stuff that I love. (laughs) So when I was asked to be on this podcast, I was like, what's not to love? Women's health stuff and film. It's like you are literally the The present that I always wanted when I look at women's health on screen okay I'll I'll tell you a story and this is a true story the the first time I came across menopause was through sex in the city and that is a genuine that's a genuine thing and I'm not alone lots of women will say that that's how they went some and it was the movie me and a colleague of mine who's a doctor she's now a, a transplant surgeon but we were both doctors we had come out of our junior house job and Sex in the City, the first movie was out when they went to, I think, is it when they went to Dubai? I can't remember now. I, I think, think that said, was the second, the second, one, second which one, Okay, was sorry.
0: far worse. The first one was bearable, I thought. Uh, okay, you, it, you might, it might have been the yeah. second one when <laughs> okay. they went
1: to Dubai. The first one had some menopausal references, but it, I didn't really clock on. But the second one, this is now, remember, we are junior doctors and we have been entrenched in medicine and I'm deciding where I'm going to go in my career and general practice is a thing. And Samantha goes to the Emirates and her bag flops open and there's all this content and she's like I need all this this is my menopausal treatment I need all this and we laughed and we giggled about it but I remember thinking that going oh my god is this what's what it's going to be like when I'm older oh that's a whole lot of health how many work in there
0: 44
3: I'm on the one a day fruity pebbles plant
2: Women our age shouldn't joke about vitamins. Uh, Women who are not our age shouldn't say women our age. Well, one day, very soon,
3: you will thank me. I am leading the way through the menopause maze with my vitamins, my melatonin sleep patches, my bioidentical estrogen cream, progesterone cream, a touch of testosterone. She's the hormone whisperer. I am. I've tricked my body into thinking it's younger. I've tricked my body into thinking it's thinner. Spanx.
1: And I'm telling you, no hot flashes, no mood swings and my sex drive. It's right back to where it was. That was my first reference. And this is me as a doctor being shocked that this is how menopause is dealt with. Because I had no knowledge, even as a trained, and I've got my GMC license, and women probably had. I probably had women seeing me in my surgery or my clinics in my training at the time. And I just not put the dots together and thought, oh, this is probably depression that she's going through. And it's actually through that. And, it, and I just thought it's a joke. And, and women are either seen as desperate individuals clinging on to their youth or they're seen as, as a funny, comical thing. And that was something that was repeated throughout a lot. It was always seen as something as shameful. I used to love watching House of Cards. And if you watch House of Cards, the president's wife, she opens the the fridge and she has a hot flash. And then when her assistant asks her, are you having a hot flash? And she goes, no, 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 I'm not. It was always something that I saw on screen had to be hidden, put away and masked over. And that's how I just thought it was. It was you're young, you're a trainee doctor. And unfortunately, you don't join up the dots. And then it's only when I got older and now I'm obviously more in tune with it. I'm looking out for it. Flea bag was my next sort of hurrah moment. But it was this is actually how it is, and women are on screen saying how it is. So to have Christian Scott Thomas sit there in a pub saying, This is what menopause is like, this is exactly what women hell women is like, it wasn't ridiculed, it wasn't a joke, it was a matter of fact, serious conversation between two women, a younger woman and an older woman, saying, You need to reclaim this and be empowered by it and prepare for it. Do not let it defeat you. For me, that was what I took away from that.
3: The menopause
1: comes. The fucking menopause comes. And it is the most wonderful fucking thing in the world. And yes, your entire pelvic floor
3: crumbles and you get fucking hot and no one cares. But then
0: you're free
1: no longer a slave, no longer a a machine with parts. You're just a person in business. I was told it was horrendous. It is horrendous, but then it's magnificent. Something to look forward to. And then recently, I'm I'm a Netflix buff as well, so I watch a lot of Netflix. And I got into watching, you know, Bollywood. I watch a lot of Bollywood. And again, it's never represented. I've never seen it. So that to me is is something that I always see, that women, when they become about 40, they are just seen as old and dowdy anyway. So only the younger women who are represented on screen. And that's because historically we do have an issue with um, fertility and being young and beautiful and vibrant. Again, like all industries are exactly the same. Is what sells, sex sells. We can't deny that. But when Netflix put out their series Bombay Begums, which I recommend everybody watch, it's fantastic. Even if What's it called into- again,
0: Bombay?
1: Bombay Begans. 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 So okay. Begum, Begum just means um, Mrs. or Mademoiselle in French. And Bombay, obviously, is based in Bombay. So these are... This is based in a bank, high-powered women, and the CEO of the bank, Rani, has got to the top of her profession. She's clawed up to there, but she's going through the perimenopausal phase of her life. She's still sexually active. She still feels very, very sexual as a woman, but she's having hot flashes in a meeting and she will skip away into the toilet. Some women are born to rule. We call them queens. Some women secretly aspire to be queen. Some women laugh and smile their pain away, but they're survivors. And perhaps the real queens of Bombay. The question is, how far will you go to survive in this city of dreams? It's the first time I've seen a woman in South Asian cinema or telly or anything like that on a platform like Netflix, where they're showing the Asian woman's experience. It's not this is what the white woman feels. And sorry to say that in a horrible way, but that's it. this is what, you know. It's, it's not horrible.
0: horrible at all. I mean, it's,
1: yeah. Because it's always been seen as a westernized yeah. condition. It's something yeah, that um, a, Asian women, I've genuinely had Asian women in my room when I've said to them, I think this is menopause. They'll look at me and they say, oh, but isn't that just something that white women get? And you're just yeah. like, what? what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. It's because when you don't see something that looks like you represented in mainstream media you think it doesn't happen to you you think it's something that only happens to a small group of women um, for some bizarre reason and faith plays a huge part in south asian women so when you talk about having hot flashes and depression it's just like oh well it's because you don't pray hard enough or you don't you don't turn to god far, you know and you don't uh meditate hard enough or you don't do puja which is you know the hindu version of prayer uh, that's those are the kind of things you should be looking for because now you're in your midlife you should be preparing to to sort of basically live as a hermit and your life is ending and get ready for the grave and that is something that really really infuriates me because that is not how women should be midlife should be the new coming because you've done you've done the legwork you've gone through the periods you've gone through the babies and had the (laughs) had the pregnancy Um, you've gone through you've done your dues and now you're on the other end but unfortunately your biology is kicked in and your estrogen and your testosterone and your progesterone are lowering down and then you're again trying to battle through that and you'll step away from everything that makes you fun and vibrant and that is not how women should have to live. So you can hear the passion in my voice. Obviously. I love so that. I wanna, <laughs> so I, I, I watch it. And I'm one of those people that I think this is, happens when you're a GP. You're always looking out for medical stuff on telly and you're looking out A for funny stuff or inaccuracies because you just can't help yourself. But secondly, for me, I'm always looking at how medical conditions are represented um, on screen and because that, those are powerful tools. And that is how mainstream public are going to be viewing it. And if a a midlife woman is seen as just wafting a fan that's got grey hair and just looks, I'm really sorry to use this word, but pathetic, which is unfortunately historically how it is always seen surely that's got to change. It's
0: 2021. 100%. And it's great that you've got some positive examples of the way things are changing. And I hope, I mean, I hope you share my optimism that it is continuing to change, particularly as you say, in all different cultures and all different ethnicities being portrayed on screen, because that is hugely important.
1: Of course. And I think that we've got to understand now that this is a global conversation. Women have said enough there's a really good quote that somebody sent to me and it it really resonated with me. It said that my mother went through this. I went through this. I'll be damned if my daughter goes through this. And I think that that literally sums up a lot of hardships that we as women go through, whether it's your body image, You know, my mother was always trying to be a size zero because that's what everybody expected. Then I went through it. And now my daughter is expected to be shamed because of her body size or image or the way she looks. Or whether that be fertility reasons, you know, infertility or fertility, trying to get pregnant. The angst that comes around all of that is always seen as the woman's fault. And then on the midlife years, as you approach the midlife, you're going through the change, which is again, you know, a normal change, but some women suffer horrendously from it. And the statistics are shocking around that. You know, one in four women will feel absolutely suicidal as they're going through their menopausal changes. Two out of four women will have horrible symptoms which are seen to be affecting their lifestyle. And then one of four will say, well, I did all right and I had a few hot flushes, but I'm OK. But then later on in the years, she might experience something called vaginal atrophy or vaginal dryness which causes horrible symptoms of irritation, itching, um, bladder incontinence, urge incontinence, difficulty having sex. They might not even go for their smears because it's so painful. But that's stuff that we can do to prevent that. And in the documentary, Davina says this really great line. And and I just thought, you know what, this is what I need women to do. When you're 40, you should just be given vaginal moisturizers and estrogen cream. You should be because estrogen cream is completely safe. It doesn't, it's not the same as systemic HRT. It does not cause cancer. Yet you do get this huge leaflet that comes out with it. And you can't buy it. You can't just get it over the counter. But yet Viagra, you can walk into any high street, which is, has far more side effects, by the way. And you can pick up Viagra. Ibuprofen causes stomach ulcers. And I've genuinely seen patients who've overtaken a ibuprofen and had a stomach ulcer. And I've had to send them into A&E to have a camera and treatment for that. And that is over-the-counter readily available. But yet vaginal oestrogen, which has no side effects, that doesn't cause any harm, just infiltrates the tiny layers of skin in that area. You still have to fight to get an appointment with your doctor to be seen, be assessed, and then prescribed it. So this documentary has has come at a a right time. and, And this is why I say I'll be damned if my daughter goes through this.
0: Well said. And I hope everyone watches this documentary and takes it all in. And listen, if we're doing another show about health in TV and movies, you can be quite sure I'm going to call you. Lovely to hear you speak about this. As you say, you're passionate about this subject. And um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to say any last message for the listeners before I let you go.
1: The last message is, is that be empowered by other women around you. No question is a silly question. Always, always ask. And for all women, not just for ethnic minority women, Please, if you can do one thing, is let's stop the shame. Let's stop the shame of our bodies because these are beautiful, natural things. And we need to step away from that because what we need to do is start loving ourselves. And not just in the sense that we love ourselves, as sometimes these influencers say, but start to love your mind the way you think, And then start to love your body or the lumps or the bumps because they are your beautiful, beautiful scars that we, in well, not scars isn't the right word, but they're the things that we pick up through life. So that's what I would say.
0: Wonderful. Dr. Arif, thank you so much for joining Girls on Film. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. That was Dr. Nigat Arif. If you've been affected by the issues we discussed today and you need support, then there are organisations out there to help, such as the Menopause Charity. We'll put more info on that and other charities in the show notes. And of course, do speak to your GP as well as your friends and family if you feel you can. We all need to talk about this more. The documentary Davina McCall, Sex, Myths and the Menopause is on UK Channel 4 on Wednesday the 12th of May 2021 at 9pm BST. You can stream it afterwards on all four. If you don't have access to this channel, why not seek out that candid menopause chat in Fleabag and some of the other things that we've discussed. If you can think of any other interesting examples of menopause on screen, then give us a shout on socials. Much as I love the TV series, I would not recommend Sex and the City to the film, which on reflection is set in Abu Dhabi, not Dubai, though at least it does acknowledge the existence of the menopause. Girls on Film is an HLA production. Brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Emma Butt, assistant producers Heather Dempsey and Eliana Jay, and our principal partner Peter Brewer. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Kate Muir, Linda Sands, and Dr. Nigat Arif. See you soon and stay safe.
1: Survival is a battle for every woman.